Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eSchool News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in K-12 ed tech this week. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. This week, there are a number of pieces posted to eSchool that focus on strategies and tactics that were implemented during what I guess you could call the emergency mode, those first few weeks and months in 2020 when schools were in chaos, to what you could describe now maybe as the new normal. Kids are back in person in the classroom, but with these digital resources and platforms still in place and can still solve problems, how best do we integrate them? Let's get started. First, Neil Kellogg, he's the Director of Education Technology Services at Oklahoma City Public Schools, and he writes about how having an online tutoring structure in place has made a big difference in his district. He writes, Oklahoma City has leveraged pandemic relief funds to invest in additional resources for our district community. In addition to enhancing our summer school program, we are helping teachers support their students and close learning gaps by providing access to online, high-impact tutoring services. While we originally implemented online tutoring for our virtual school only, we were so impressed with the results that we decided to scale the service across the district. Now, every student has unlimited access to high-quality tutors, regardless of their grade level or academic standing. The article goes on to detail many of the newfound benefits of the system. The piece is up online at eschoolnews.com in the newsfeed, and it's called How Online Tutoring Helps Us Close Learning Gaps and Support Teachers. He describes one benefit as such. One of our current priorities at Oklahoma City is setting usage targets that will measure the success of providing online tutoring in our schools. For example, we are tracking the percentage of students who are using our online tutoring platform during the school year and when students are interacting with tutors. We are also tracking how many students are using the platform at each school. In addition, we're tracking interim benchmarks, beginning, middle, and end-of-the-year growth measurements, and state assessment comparisons across school years to ensure that we're on track to reach our goals and milestones. Sure sounds like a good case of data-driven decision-making there. Next, Dave Snyder, he's the Director of Curriculum at Orland School District 135. In his essay, Three Tips to Balance the Back-to-Analog EdTech Transition, writes about his attempt to take EdTech investments and gains and creating engaging digital learning experiences during the pandemic, with some of the more traditional aspects of education, which we all use BP or before pandemic. Here's an excerpt. During the emergency teaching era, digital resources and ed tech tools were used by educators worldwide in an effort to maintain student learning. Tremendous investments were made by school systems in an effort to rapidly scale digital learning. With many of these COVID era restrictions receding, It is tempting to think that we've entered into this new, highly digital era of education that will be far less dependent on pencils and paper. But in the famous words of college football insider and former coach Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. He offers some tips. Number one, look for text options. Depending on the resource, the text that students read needs to have a high level of accessibility, including language adaptation, lexile or reading level functions, text speech. That's the words on a digital page that are read out loud by a device, which can also adapt languages, as well as the ability to change colors of the text or background for easier reading. All of these are critical aspects of digital technology for inclusivity and equity. Number two, 
focus on strategies and activities. This is an option widely used and very appreciated by our teachers. Discovery Education's K-12 platform provides seemingly endless resources. That's called Spotlight on Strategies, or SOS. This can include many options for students to demonstrate their learning based on specific strategies taught by the teacher, and these can be assessed as by PDFs, so they can be available for students as hard copies or even offline. Many more graphic organizers, writing prompts, question stems, and quizzes that can be accessed online can also be recreated for PDFs for using those pencils and papers. Next, seek to use mixed media assessments. Assessments are another area that offer opportunities to balance what students produce electronically and manually. Here, I would consider mixing the digital with the analog to construct mixed media assessments. Within a science context, students could do a hybrid science laboratory where they watch a demonstration online, then get to apply the learning with physical materials. Students could take the learning even further by applying cross-disciplinary skills in an assignment to write up their findings in a lab report with an accompanying visual presentation made on Canva, PowerPoint, or similar platform. There's a lot of concrete hands-on advice in this piece, but be sure to check it out. And finally, the teacher shortage crisis has forced thousands of districts to reinvent the way they teach. Many remote learning innovations that were developed during the pandemic are proving to be solutions to deal with that situation going forward. But what does that look like exactly? I had a conversation about future school scenarios with Rick Perkins. He's the VP of Innovative Instructional Models at Stride Learning Solutions, and Laura Spezio. She's a national account executive at Stride as well. We talked about their work and what they are seeing out in the field. Here's a snippet. Rick, talk a little bit about what you see at that secondary level. And actually, to get into the specifics of what the classroom looks like, I mean, just from listening to you talk, I mean, we're talking about an auditorium filled with kids who might be speaking with two dozen different teachers online while they just have physical helpers that are just there to, to kind of keep the peace. So I'll just speak to to one of the our latest and kind of largest implementation where we're we're in a school district in the middle of the country in both middle and high school, and we're teaching across the different content areas. And so first of all, you know, kind of describe the student's experience for you, you, you know, because I think that's where everything starts. The student got their schedule and they're going from, you know, from first period to second, second period to third period, and, you know, and maybe first and second, they have a physical three-dimensional teacher teaching them science and then social studies, but it's time for their English language arts class. And they go into to third period where they will have a classroom facilitator, an employee of the school district working with an employee or a teacher in our organization, right? The state certified English teacher who is remoting in. And so in collaboration, the remote teacher along with the classroom facilitator will manage the classroom. Obviously, the physical space is managed by that classroom facilitator in terms of all of the taking of attendance, the you know, the handing out of bulletins, et cetera, all, all that stuff that, you know, that non-curricular stuff that happens in classrooms every day, kind of getting everybody settled, et cetera. And then it's the remote instructor who is either beginning class with a 10 to 15 minute mini lesson or a review of of yesterday's lesson or whatever orientation the lesson plans and the content call for that particular day. Here's where the partnership is incredibly important 
the classroom facilitator and the and the remote instructor really need to have a really strong partnership. And, and, and so we spent a lot of time focusing on that relationship. We spent, you know, we spent time before school with those facilitators meeting with their remote instructor partner because they play such a critical role. They need to know what's coming tomorrow. They need to know what's coming next week. They need to be, they need access to the content. They need to be able to navigate in and around our systems just as effectively as our teachers do. And, and obviously just as effectively as the students do, right? So we're all on that same instructional team. And so we spent a lot of time preparing the classroom facilitators, providing training to the classroom facilitators, and building that relationship between the facilitator and our instructor. Because without that, the students are not going to remain engaged. You know, there's potential discipline issues, et cetera. So it's a very important part of what we do. It's just as important. It is it is a it is a co-teaching model in that the the classroom management piece, which is incredibly important to a building teacher, right? To be able to manage that classroom is the number one focus for the classroom facilitator. And then the and then content delivery, content assessment, lesson design, et cetera, goes towards that remote teacher. You can find the full conversation under the webinar tab at eschoolnews.com. It's entitled Teacher Shortages, Viable Solutions to Meet Immediate Needs. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eSchool News for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the EdTech space. Remember, eSchool is always free and always trying to help innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eSchool News.